Season one of Watch With You is made possible by the support of Barry from Podcast in Color. Thank you, Barry. Welcome back, watchers. It's Lady D here, and Lady H is back with me as well. No, no. Um, I'm trying to think of what would it be if you're nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. All right, fine. Whatever. Okay. As I was saying, Lady H is here as well. We are back with another episode of Watch With You. And this week's episode is a special dedicated to the queen uh, herself, Miss Janet Jackson. Wait, the queen of herself? I said the queen, comma, herself. Oh, I thought you said the queen of herself. (laughs) No, the queen herself, Uh, Miss uh Janet Jackson. Oh, yes. Ms. Janet Jackson, because she is of a certain age. Well, damn. Okay. And she's been married three times, so she's a Ms. A.K.A. just Janet. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, Lifetime and A&E ran a documentary for two days, which gave us a look into Janet Jackson's life from her childhood to the present. So we are going to give her her flowers today. And talk all things Janet Jackson. So we're going to talk first about our personal relationships with Janet Jackson. How we feel about her when we first got introduced to her. And then we're going to talk about the documentary itself. So Lady H, tell me, when did you first meet Miss Janet Jackson? Uh, Well, I would say the radio. Because she was definitely on radio airplay. But visually, I would say uh, it wasn't her music per se. It was her acting. So whether she was on Good Times, three reruns for us, or Fame, which was on his first run, or she did any guest roles or on shows like Silver Spoon, I saw her there in terms of music. I do believe I saw American Bandstand and quite possibly Solid Gold. <laughs> I don't know if you remember Solid Gold, but and and Soul Train because I watch Soul Train. Are we trying to date ourselves? Well, yeah, hell yeah. But uh, I would say that her impact was, even though control was everything, I didn't really get her impact until the nineties. And a lot of that had to do because I did not have cable uh, until then. And the coverage that she got with Vibe, with Rolling Stone, um, Essence, Ebony, I was seeing her in print and on television and and listening to her on radio. But like all Black girls, somehow we got that choreography down by osmosis because I didn't have cable, but I sure enough had the steps for the pleasure principle. I'm just saying. And what Except about for you? those who can't dance, like me? <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. So, what about you? Well, I was introduced to Miss Janet from my parents and my aunt because my parents are a tad younger. So, my mother was definitely growing up Janet Jack. Jackson 5 fan, Michael fan. They're about the same age. Um, 
So she's been following Michael since he was her age. And then my aunt, she lived with us um, in Florida for a few years. And that would have been when the Control album came out. So that was getting played all the time around my, you know, the house. And then, you know, would also see Janet on television through basically reruns of um, different shows because I didn't necessarily see her in the first run shows like Silver Spoons or Fame because I actually didn't watch Fame like that um, but I definitely did watch uh, her on other shows the reruns so that's how I met Miss Janet and what would be your favorite song or video Ooh, you're asking me to do the the catalog um hmm that I have to think about in terms of favorite, favorite songs, because who doesn't, doesn't love the Control album? Um, you know, from that, Let's Wait a While is, I think, one of my favorites. But All About Anytime, Place, All Right. See, I don't know, because then I'm thinking of the videos to Pleasure Principle was my jam. Knew all the words and the choreography. I don't know. There's a lot. It's kind of hard to pick one. If we went down to the discography and said, all right, what are your jams on these things? Then I could probably do better. But, um, hmm. I'll, you know what? I'll just say video. All right. I think that was one of my earliest examples of um, Black speculative fiction. Because it was a complete juxtaposition of jazz and old Hollywood through the 20s, through the 50s, and contemporary. Because you also had Janet imagining that she was starring in movies like or with Cab Calloway. But then you also, so she gets, she was imagining that, but then there was also these dance breaks where the kids were dressed like Bart Simpson <laughs> and, and dancing like Bart Simpson. So it was, it was throughout the era. And I appreciated just the fact that she said, time is a flat circle. Love who you love, respect your elders, um, take what they've done and explore it and expound on it and make it new. So I'll stop there. What about you? Either if song is too hard, like it was for me, was there a favorite era or tour or visual? Because tour was Velvet Rope, let's be honest. But era, tour, anything like that? Visual, performance? Um, I'm going to, I have songs. Um, okay. It's all for you. And that's the way love goes. Oh, but, you know, I'm a romantic, so, you know, I like love songs, so. Okay. What about movies? Yes, because she is an actress mm-hmm. with a nice um, resume or catalog. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My favorite movie. I'm going to say the Why Did I Get Married, one and two. That took you a lot longer than I thought it would. And the only reason why it's shocking to me is because watchers, we are dropping. We have been teasing it. I have been promising it. We are dropping an audio kickback 
and book club discussion. And part of the fun was we cast people, uh, if the book was to be adapted, which it is, what was our fantasy casting? And who cast Janet Jackson in a role? I did, you. But, yeah. but, that, but that's not, but that's not, she's not in it. So no, I, I know, but I'm like, girl, I mean, everybody was like, oh yeah. But it was like, you know, here you are. It was like, you know what? Janet is an actress. She would totally do this. I'm like, all right, what's your Janet I role? And you're like, but uh, well, but I had to think about my favorite Janet role. Okay. So, I mean, that's a difference between what she's done i mean she's got a lot of stuff that she's done okay that's fair she doesn't have a whole whole lot but she's got enough of things that she's been in to pick from mm -hmm. and i i would say from all the things that she's done you know you've got filmography you got good times different strokes fame poetic justice nutty professor two mm -hmm. why did i get married one and two for colored girls it's not a big filmography but it's a vast variety of characters that she's played so i prefer her as as uh, the professor in why did i get married okay and 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 morning mother i think she played that role okay what about you what's your favorite janet jackson filmography acting my favorite role would be Poetic Justice, which was her film debut. And I think it has to do with everybody in it. There's Q-Tip, there's Tupac, there's Regina King. It is also, um, I think, one of my more contemporary introductions to poetry. You know, when I was in elementary school, I was very, very fortunate to go to Afrocentric elementary schools. So that is where we learned lift every voice and sing. That's where we learned poetry by Langston Hughes and who Gwendolyn Brooks was. Once I got out of that school, the only poets that that were taught to us were like Keats and Yeats and uh, Emily and you know and it was just all about haiku. It it had nothing to do with yeah. us at all it didn't speak to us when you know it was we we're supposed to find the deeper meaning of Sylvia Plath nah it didn't really work and uh especially when I had such a grounding so to be reminded that poetry can be evocative and moving and oh by the way what's for black people <laughs> um which I had almost forgotten was a revelation because I was reminded like, oh yeah, this thing, there's this art form that a beautiful art form that we do so well outside of rap because rap is also poetic. So uh, yeah, it was that role that I would say, I want to go back to watch and we'll do so as soon as I can. Okay. So we each have our favorite songs or eras, and we have our favorite movie that she's been in. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into this documentary. So um, for those of you who don't know, you can catch it on Lifetime. I'm sure that it'll be on the On Demand app as well as A&E. It also has, I've been following it for the last few days, it has made its 
worldwide premiere already. I did take over the Watch With You um, Twitter account. So if you'd like to go back and see what our thoughts were in the live tweet, you can go to the Twitter. But it was produced by Janet and her brother, Randy. And again, it spanned from basically her birth till now. It highlighted various episodes of her life, from her family to her music to her acting and to where she is presently with motherhood and uh, her career. So let's start with how we felt about the documentary. I, for myself, didn't feel like there was any major, major revelations in here. Janet reiterated or reinforced um, some things or maybe set the record straight in her own words about things that have been out there. Um, I didn't feel like there were any new, new, new revelations. I got a lot of background and behind the scenes that was nice to see. What about you, Lady H? Uh, before I answer that, what type of revelation were you looking for? I don't know. I figured since it was going to be her own documentary, she might give us something else that we mainly didn't know. I, I just didn't feel like there was anything extra. I mean, where I say extra, like just something we wouldn't like really wouldn't know. That was, I mean, she did give us some things. We'll talk about Michael, you know, their last conversation, but I wasn't looking like for that kind of thing. I just thought there'd be something else. That's all. I don't know what her life is vast. There could have been stuff that didn't get out in the media that she was going to give us. Who knew? I don't know. I was just expecting something. My overall thoughts were, uh, I think it begins with the title. Because it's Janet Jackson, period. I thought that was an interesting choice to say, not an exclamation point, not a colon, not a semicolon, but Janet Jackson, period. I thought that was explaining to us or not even explaining, letting us know from the outset that we're going to talk about Janet Jackson, period. This is not going to be any of the other stuff or, I mean, obviously some family revelation or whatever is going to be a part of it, but this is Janet Jackson, period. So what you're going to get is what she's giving, period. <laughs> I didn't have any other expectation than like, okay, what you're going to give because you warned us in the title that you were finna watch Janet Jackson, period. Having said that, I have a few thoughts. Janet Jackson is her own historian and she's an archivist. I say that because how many people have had their lives documented in the way that she has, starting with her birth, but then also with her husband, Renee, and how he was documenting her life and several times, oh, nobody's going to see this. Nobody's going to see this. But then even later years after Renee, she still had footage with Jermaine Dupree, with other people. With the last five years, um, she invited a filmmaker to document. And I just wondered, hmm, that's interesting. Some scholars have papers. And Janet Jackson, who has been in this 
visual medium of both sound and um, picture or film has chosen to document this way. And this is only, I think, draft one of Janet Jackson period of some of the things that we talked about. I was satisfied with what she gave us for the most part. And I would recommend it if you are a Janet fan to definitely watch this. And I think that it will send you on a Janet rabbit hole to watch her videos in full. And I think if nothing else, uh, the talking heads and the people who came out for her because Samuel L. Jackson was there for Janet, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, like just we'll probably name some more later, but to know that she is loved and most importantly, she is a full human being deserving of privacy, deserving of support, deserving of love and um, deserving of our withholding of judgment and seeing her for her period. So I was happy with it. And I say back to you. Okay. So I would definitely say we need to watch it again, as our tweet said, and we'd love to watch it again with you guys. But let's go into it a little bit in depth. Um, Janet Demita Joe Jackson. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Do you know where Demita Joe comes from? No, tell me. One of the baddest soul trained dancers on the planet's name was Demita Joe. I only know this because I too, I had a kid not named Jazzy Priya or Gabrielle. <laughs> Their names would have been Demita Joe. I got vetoed, but I wanted yeah. Demita Joe. Mm -hmm. Well, you might have that opportunity later. Mm -mm. Girl, that shit was safe. Y'all know. Shit. Life happens. Yeah, that's true. Um, Miss Demita Joe, the youngest Jackson, lived in the shadow of her famous brothers. And then more importantly, as they got older, Michael. And that was a big focus of the documentary where she, she spoke to us about living in Michael's shadow how his career affected her career and what was going on in his life would affect her career. And as we have all said, you know, we're all, we might be siblings, but we're all individuals. And that didn't seem to apply to her um, much, especially early on in her career, because everybody seemed to look at her as the little sister of Michael and not the artist that she was by herself. There was the Pepsi versus Coke opportunity that she had. She had an opportunity to have her own contract with Coke. She's not part of a group. She's her own artist. And they snatched that from her. Again, she's a whole person. And it's about how patriarchal the society is because you're going to hold her being responsible basically for what, going on in her brother's life. I didn't like it, but I understood it. Like that didn't bother me as much as that white lady saying, is your brother baptized? What? Um, that like Janet's, the younger sibling is responsible for the Christian version of salvation. Uh, 
of another human being. But okay. Um, I think that it started when she was a child and a lot of the questioning uh, that we saw about or the fascination with the Jackson family was to me completely rooted in racism. When you had these white people talking about like, well, how many of them are you? And do you discipline them? And how do you get them? It was a secessionalism thing. Like how did these implied lazy and shiftless Negroes create this thing that I and the rest of the world are attracted to? or am attracted to like how does this happen you must tell us everything and who else is it here and it was the exceptionalism right and then because there was a sheer number of them and then all of a sudden um the scarcity narrative started coming into or that highlander narrative started coming into play where there can only be one so it's like michael jackson and the jackson five this, this happened also with diana ross and the supremes it went from the supremes to diana ross and the supremes then it was diana ross and it's the same thing where it was the jacksons it was the jackson five to the jacksons it was supposed to be michael jackson michael and the jacksons and whatnot I'm not entirely sure about what they wanted to do, but they wanted to lead with Michael Jackson. And of course he went solo and then everything was about the exceptional, like, okay, no, Michael Jackson is a star. The rest of you are not. And I think that with Janet, it was the, you are not. And she wasn't seen as for her because all of y'all can't be talented. All of y'all can't be like this. So it has to be only one of you. Or if I see you, but what about your brother? Though It's a reminder that you are only here for your brother. And I think that being in his shadow and the media and other people talking to her where it was always about Michael. Yeah, I you can cure cancer. Yeah, but, you're, but Michael though. I think that that was also part of the reasoning why she got into some of the relationships or had some of the guard and the walls up that she had because you don't know what people's interests are but people have told her through the media through different conversations through the limo is your brother baptized that is wild to me that so with you that coke and pepsi deal stuck out for me it was conversations like that where I'm on tour, like I'm here to talk about this thing that I have done and you want to ask me something that is none of your business and completely bizarre because you don't see me for me. So I think that being in that shadow and then just hearing her talk today and seeing her strength and her grace through it all was just a beautiful thing to see. Also, I forgot to say that in overall thoughts, I felt like this documentary was a love letter to her father. Not necessarily her mother. She loves mother, but to her father in particular, who we joke, and it's not funny, but we do joke all the time about if you want to get something done, a shorthand for discipline is that Joe Jackson. Like you got to get Joe Jackson on somebody. And I think that um, him being this 
disciplinarian and she made it really clear to say, yes, there was discipline, but there was also love. I did not grow up in a tyrannical environment. But I think that she made it really clear that even though the control album that we love was without her father, she still did fame for her father. She, whatever, he was still her father and she loved him, period. It was almost like Brandy says now that every once in a while she trends or Ray J trends because they didn't realize that their siblings, like somebody, youth on the internet, somebody on the internet did not realize that Brandy and Ray J are siblings. And they're like, what? And it blows their minds. And, 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 you know, for me, I think that it may have been the same thing. Like, what? Janet, the Janet is related to the Michael because they were both um, these iconic megastars to me that they were related was like, wow. But she was always Janet. And, and I think to her fans, she was also Janet. And it is a shame that she had to feel uh, less than from the media. Okay. So we covered a lot of errors in the, uh, in this documentary, Mm -hmm. basically, talk about when she turned an official adult according to the legal laws of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 18 mm-hmm. was the beginning of control. Well, it wasn't exactly the beginning of the control, but there was uh, she turned 18. She gets married to James DeBarge. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And the baby. <laughs> The baby that didn't exist, that everyone swore up and down existed. Okay. (laughs) I got a problem with this. Okay. So remember I said that I was pretty satisfied with just about everything. Uh This is where I wasn't satisfied. Okay. Because she's had several points in this documentary where she was emphatic about things. So... The documentarian with the English accent said, hey, was there ever a part of you or a point in your life where you wondered if Michael did it? She said, no, emphatically, no. I know my brother, he wouldn't do these things. At another point uh, with Justin and the Super Bowl, she gave an emphatic answer. This, she does not say, I did not have a baby by James. She didn't say that. She just said, I wouldn't keep a child from its father or I gained weight because I was on birth control. Well, she or, did say that. No, I said, that's what she said. But in, what she did not say was emphatically, I did not have a child. The reason why I'm saying that she should have said that is if it was true, if it is true, because she said emphatically no about other things because I feel like this is going to, it's going to leave some wiggle room for, I am now calling it the Anastasia. Remember that cartoon, oh, yeah, Anastasia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have these people who are just going to be like, I'm Janet Jackson's daughter with James DeBarge that she didn't claim. And like, you're going to have all these people oh, trying shit, to get famous. That. 
Well, it's a little different when, you know, before this, because it was always the baby was at Reby's or, and she said, I have some nieces that look similar to me. So they said that that was the child. First of all, we really saw a lot of those pictures of um, like the Jacksons throughout their lives. Boy, do they not all look alike? I mean, especially at the end, I was like, Jan, it really looks like her father. It's those cheekbones. So hopefully poor Janet don't sag like her daddy, though. The nerve of you. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, like those Jackson jeans are strong, where of course there's similarities. Like I wouldn't jump to that's our baby. Because of that, the only one who don't got the strong jeans was Michael. And I, you know, because Debbie Rowe, I mean, Paris, Blanket, and and Prince, they don't look like, well, it ain't none of my business. Uh, All I'm saying, I'm like, you know, like. The jeans did not go as strongly through Michael's children as they did everyone else's. No, it's like Debbie Rowe gave them a talking to. Her jeans gave them a talking to. Like, now, 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 when we come out of here, <laughs> let me explain about what's going on. <laughs> like, not at all. And and I say all that to say that um, because it was an emphatic and because it started, I mean, there were rumors, yes, but she showed the headline or the documentary showed the headline. James DeBarge said it. That she had a daughter, that they had a daughter together. That's the reason why I'm saying it's Anastasia, you know? So you're going to have these women uh, come up and say, I am the child of these people. And it doesn't have to be true. And there can be some, um, you know, DNA testing to prove it. But you got to go through all of this because you didn't emphatically say no. Right. And that's the only thing that I was like, ooh, I wish you did. If it's true. And if it's not true, okay, there's some parts that I, of my life I'm just not comfortable in sharing with you or I don't owe you. And that's fair too. It's not our business. It's not. But, you know, I do feel that because he said what he said, James DeBarge, and I, you heard Debbie Allen, Debbie Allen was like, well, she was with us all day. Where was the baby? You know, she's like, we ain't seen no pregnancy belly. <laughs> Jana's like, I took, you know, people saw me gain a little weight because I took birth control back in the day where you gain weight. And Debbie's like, like you said, Debbie's like, where's the baby? Because, you know, if she was pregnant, they'd have been doing those classic television, hide the belly. Well, yes, yes. <laughs> but also... You know what? Don't get me acting like these people would not have also um, acted with compassion. Let us not act like they haven't been women who have hidden pregnancies. There have been whole women who have done that. It can be done. And also, Janet said, I only did fame because my father wanted me to. I, she was going through it with James. She said that she was late. She said that there were some other problems where she could have been erratic and people could have put a lot of things off. Oh, we, we learned later she's an emotional eater, plus she had the birth control. So there's there were a lot of reasons why she could have, you know, like 
been excused away or doing us. Oh, I'm saying that there was wiggle room and she could have shut it down and she didn't. And I think that because she didn't, that it leaves room for other people to say, I'm the lost princess, Anastasia. <laughs> and I am royalty. Give me my crown. That's all I'm saying. Whether it's true or not, I don't think that they did a good enough job of shutting it down like she did with other things. Okay. Well, that well that wraps up that that uh James DeBarge baby. <laughs> all right. Well, fine. Well, look, I was it- gonna. I know. I know something else. I want to ask, and I can cut this out if you want. You were married at eighteen. Mm-hmm. And. Janet said in the documentary that she felt like the only way that she could have some control of her life and be seen as the budding adult was to get married. As a person who did get married at 18, is that was that a real escape or did you find that you got independence or um no. stepped more into your own be, you know like from your parents because no. of that? Mhm. Marriage didn't mean diddly squit. <laughs> my my parent, well, more not my father, but my mother had things to be said, regardless of the fact that I was married or not. Yeah, that that think, stage in your life. You know, look, things to be said and, and rearing to do, regardless of the fact <laughs> that I was married. The only thing that gave me was independence to claim file my own taxes with my husband. Instead of being a dependent on my parents' taxes and my kids. <laughs> was there still a whole bunch of parental influence at 18? Sure enough was. True. And I'm going to let that statement stand on this song. The I'm talking other about, because thing... you asked, I was married. I'm telling you, oh, there no, was no. still a whole bunch of parental influence, even 18 and married. Now, if you ask me, was there a whole bunch of parental influence when I was almost, you know, 30 and married? No. Got it. I was gonna I was gonna transition to the other part in time where she said I wanted to go to Pepperdine and be a business lawyer because all that was around the same time. Yeah, that okay, that was like the biggest revelation of the whole freaking <laughs> documentary was that she wanted to go to Be- Pepperdine and be a lawyer. I was like, well, damn, Janet, you had some good ambitions. And your dad was like, nope, you won't be a singer and an actress. <laughs> First of all, I am not comparing the Jackson family to like the mob or anything. <laughs> but the one thing that took me out about this was that when you think about how mob families are depicted in media, They always want one kid or somebody really close in the family to go to law school, like to be a doctor to deal with the injuries and to be a lawyer to deal with the other problems. (laughs) It was like, those are the only two professions outside of mafioso and that (laughs) That you could do. Well, I would have thought like, what would have been the bad part of her going to Pepperdine and becoming an attorney? Because she could have been the family's attorney. You know, like you have this management company. And I also think that that was really interesting that he didn't seem to manage anyone, but his children. 
So I'm thinking of Look, let's, let's, let's let wait a let let us Google that. We might be wrong. Oh, please, yeah, please, because the lady said was he closed when Janet, you know, the brothers left, and then when Janet got other management, he shut the doors down, but told her to go with Janet and make sure she was okay. And I was just thinking about Matthew Knowles and how when Beyonce no longer needed his services and Destiny's Child no longer needed his services. And I have no idea if he managed Solange, but I don't believe that he is managing Solange now. He had other clients that he was managing, but her daddy was like, yeah, I'm good. And to which I am just like, huh? So it just makes me wonder if Janet had gone into business law, could they have done something different with the management services or company? Or would she realize, now listen, she loved her daddy. This was a love letter to her father. I done said this. Was he scared that if she went there and, and read it, she was like, what the hell is going on? Like, this ain't right because now I'm educated and I know that this should not be the management fee or these things should not go on in my business. I don't know. Like, maybe ignorance is bliss. But I just thought, like, huh. Okay. Are you finished your research? I'm I'm trying. I'm not getting. Look, I ain't getting nothing. So I guess he must have only managed his, uh, like we said, his kids. Yeah, I think he was retired by eighty by 1986 or so. It looked like, because I mean, I know that in terms of the family, I don't know whose children it was. It was like 3T. And I think that was under Michael's management or whatever. But I just thought that, that was really, really interesting that, uh, well, I mean, listen, God gave Joe a vision and a vision was that these children were going to be singing dancing and entertaining at the highest level everything else was a distraction and she was saying that she wanted to go to Pepperdine at the time this is before control so what we have gotten control and everything else if she did follow that dream no we might not have but it was that was the dream that she wanted. Like she said, you know, who who doesn't want their child to go to school, <laughs> go to college? Joe Jackson, <laughs> me. I mean, I I know I have one college graduate and I have another one in school and whatnot, and I have sent others. But my point is, college is so expensive and it promises you nothing. So. If you got a sure thing and it could understand it where he's like, girl, you got these connections, you got a name, you got talent, you got look, you got everything you need. Why take a gamble? I get it. I'm just saying. Everybody has their own perspectives on, you know, how people can make it in life. And Joe was like, y'all, you going to make it right here like your brothers. <laughs> get on this singing train. She did better <laughs> than yeah yeah and she's still here and she's still doing it so all right now so janet had a thing she's been married three times although her documentary only touched on her two ex-husbands wait um, wait wait 
can before we get to Renee, because I know you, re, you you're transitioning beautifully to Renee. But in this time, right, here's the one thing I think that the streets wanted besides about the baby. <laughs> yeah, besides that, right? Girl, was you really with Bobby Brown? <laughs> <laughs> well, she didn't answer that. Bobby, saying. Bobby claims he threw her out of a hotel room, but you know. Well, Janet, now I feel like Bobby's lying on his dick. That's what that look, is. Look, look, Janet, Janet, he didn't, he was did not make an impression in her life because she did not include him in this documentary. Yeah. She was like, Homest. <laughs> he was like, oh, that one second we was together. Yeah, no impressions. Keep it moving. Mm. <laughs> oh my God. You know that I it tickled me. Cause I, I think the whole streets was like, now Bobby done said, done put his her name in his mouth and said that he threw her out of a hotel room because he was hoeing. Dick was well, so bomb, even Janet Jackson came along and nothing. Uh, nothing. <laughs> so let's just roll on to Renee. Mm-hmm. That as of today, he is the husband with the longest marriage <laughs> to mm-hmm. Janet. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that he helped to shape her career some. Um, besides, as you mentioned earlier, being the documentarian because he was a filmmaker, he was always recording things even when Janet didn't want them recorded. Mm-hmm. But at the time, now that she looks back on it, she probably appreciates to have that she has those videos. And not just the special occasion videos when you break out the camera for the birthday party or the wedding or the baby shower, but just the everyday things being recorded. I'm sure she probably appreciates that now, Um, especially with her father being deceased and her brother and, you know, look back on that. But he helped her break out of her shell to be the Janet that we see, that we're used to seeing now, the sexy Janet. And maybe she's not sexy outside, you know, when she goes home at night and when she's walking down the street. But the sexy Janet that we see on tour and in her songs and in her albums and videos, because he was helping, he helped direct some of those in the very beginning, sort of changing her image and going against the grain of her family. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, What? First of all, he reminds me of a dom. They look <laughs> like they had a dom sub relationship. I'm not joking. I mean, they, in a velvet rope. What you agree? You know what? it. Yes, that's what I was like. They probably did. And and I I mean, as soon as as soon as I saw him with the camera, I was like, oh lord, there's a sex tape somewhere. <laughs> well, look. Well, then it's been cleverly hidden for many years. And I hope to never, ever (laughs) see it. Um, And I think that the one thing that um, most of the the men in her life have said, like there's a lot of respect and adoration for her, no matter how their relationship ended. So I think that that's a really good thing. Having said that, the control of what you wear, what you eat, who you talk to. And um, I can see the appeal of it 
when you have a lot of power and everybody is depending on you to say, I don't want to have to think about some things. And I just know that some things are taken care of. And, you know, like where I don't have to worry about what I'm wearing because the clothes are right there. I don't have to worry about what I'm eating because you're telling me or you're providing it or you're doing both or the sexual exploration, all of those things. I get it. I, I just see that. And I wonder how much of that is organically her because she said like, listen, I could have been covered head to toe and pants or whatever else. And, you know, I think that there is something to say about modesty, that it is not, it doesn't mean that you're prudish. It does. It just means that you're, you're covered. I know that, um, for the most part, I dress modestly and I had to have a conversation with one of my kids once because I heard him say something misogynistic and I know it came from his daddy where he saw a young lady and it was in the summer and she had on shorts and, you know, she was dressed for hot weather and he was like, well, she put some clothes on or something like that or at a mall or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you know, further in the conversation, he was like, you don't dress like that. Grandma don't dress like that. You know, like all the women in his life, you know, don't dress like that. And I had to tell him, dude, I don't dress like that because I'm always cold. That's number one. Number two, um, there's a lot of places that I go via public transportation. They don't clean those seats. If I had all that skin showing, I'd have a rash. I absolutely not. So, so me dressing modestly, or I should say with more cloth didn't have anything to do with my sexuality or didn't have anything to do with religion or how I saw myself. It literally had to do with warmth and cleanliness. That's it. So you shouldn't be judging people about that. And that's a ramble, but I go back to say, that is who Janet was organically, where she said she felt her strongest and she felt her most comfortable. So yes, Renee pushed her from those boundaries. And I wonder if it was more about Janet's natural evolution or a megalomaniac. Because later on in the, like, yes, they did some things that are artistic. And I think that were the generation that loves Janet, they keep on talking about, oh, I was becoming a woman and I was discovering myself. And a lot of girls can say that at that same time, so were we. But they talked about how shy she is and how unnatural it was for her to explore that and explore that so publicly that I'm concerned. Was that exploitation or was that a genuine exploration. Where, where do you fall on that? It was probably a little bit of both. It's probably a lot of him being a bit controlling, a little bit of her trying to figure out who she is as a woman, as a person. Um, I, you know, like I said, I took over the Twitter feed. We had those lap dances during her concert. A couple, uh, where there were some scenes showed shown from the concert of the lap dances she was doing. And I said they were making me blush because, you know, showing one's 
sexuality in such a public way is, you know, not normally what we do. And she see, <laughs> just saying. And although she says that she's shy, which I say that I'm shy too, um, she certainly seems very comfortable on that stage, given those lap dances. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a maybe her public persona. She's clearly okay with giving the lap dances and uh, being more sexual because it's acting. I'm going to say mm -hmm. it's a mask, but maybe when she's at home, when the cameras are off, when she's not being the public Janet, the private Janet is not as sexual. That was definitely a performance and she's a performer. And it was just, it tickled me to see all those dudes lose their minds. You talk about the thrill of a lifetime. <laughs> um, you said you're not used to public sexuality. And I giggled because I went to a Catholic all-girls school. And what the fuck do you think went down there? And I'm not talking about with each other. Calm down. I'm saying that we had freak parties. The Black Awareness Club. Everybody knew. I mean, it was a freak party. Okay. We had the fashion show in which <laughs> we had strippers. At a high school Catholic, oh, Again. I could tell you stories <laughs> about, because I was a stage manager, <laughs> so I can tell you stories about what went down. I was like, oh, that? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I went to public high school, and yes, sex was prevalent, mm -hmm. but I don't know to say that we were all out having strippers at fashion shows and oh, anything yeah. like and anything like that i mean there was sex happening sex may have also happened at school but i don't think anything was full on like everybody's just out there flaunting it type of deal even in school no i don't recall like all that sexuality just being out there <laughs> Oh, it, I mean, it totally. I know sex, I know sex we know sex happened. See, that's okay. that's the well, funny thing. You were at a co-educational school where sex happened. We were not. So, yes, we had lesbians. Nobody was nobody ever got caught or that that never circulated the rumor mill. But the performance and the discussion and the outward sexuality, oh, that was on full display at all time, like all the time, because there was no one else there to mm. actually like act on it. So it's like there's the performance slash exploration of it, and then there was an actual doing it, where mm. which is what you said you did, but us completely different, which is probably why a lot of the <laughs> nope won't go there. That's something that uh one day I'll write a memoir or write a book or a play. And y'all would be like, the hell went on in the 90s? <laughs> so look, and then private schools. <laughs> well, especially ours. I mean, it was, a, it was a totally different time. But I would say that in terms of time, the Velvet Rope tour was going on. Lil' Kim's Hardcore was out. Foxy but Brown was doing her thing. 
that infamous little Kim cover. Oh man. I mean, you know, like all of that was there. So yeah, you had your conscious rappers like me, the Queen Latifah, but I'm just saying like, I could testify because I was there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm still on my, I'm with Janet. She's bringing her, her sexuality to the screen, but shy about it. I think most of us, I don't know, not most, lots of us feel that way. Like, okay, I might seem like I got it together here, but not really. <laughs> so no coercion for you, because I'm feeling like, ooh, there's a coercive spirit afoot. And you're saying not as much. I like, give Janet more credit. No, I, I really do think that, you know, she was pulling it out on display. And I like I said, I think in her private life, she's probably still that shy person in her bedroom. Maybe not. But she but the one thing we can say about Janet, though, with these husbands, mm -hmm. she get herself out of a bad situation. Mm hmm. She 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 dropping husbands like they just uh, coins in the fountain. <laughs> I well, I think that it was a little harder than that, and and I think that she had that loyalty in her, where she's like, "I'm going to try to help you through it." Because let me tell you something: if I got married to you in Michigan, and I turned around and your ass leaves me all night on our wedding night, and then like that's like strike one. No, strike one is I got married in Michigan. Strike. <laughs> What is wrong with getting married in Michigan? There's nothing wrong with that. I hop, skipped, and jumped over the LA's Justice of the Peace, over Vegas, over Tijuana, to fucking Michigan. It's just like how random. It's well, so her, his uncle random. was in, no, his uncle was in Michigan. It married him. You don't know nobody else that that's a just a little piece. No, I'm just saying, like you don't know nobody because, else ordained. No, you don't know nobody. You don't know nobody. Why, you know why they had to skip and go to Michigan? Because if they stayed in LA, it would have got out immediately. No, I know, but I'm saying so. I go to Michigan where I don't know anybody. I know, and he rolls out for four hours. We might have got that shit annulled. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, but wait, so that's strike two. Number one, I'm in Michigan. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm in Michigan. Strike two, you leave okay. me for four hours or longer. Strike three, your ass is hot. Right. Well, here's the thing. She was 18, and I can think back on an 18-year-old married young lady myself. I probably wouldn't have left either. I know. But she did take control, as in her album, Control. And she did give him the boot. Yeah, but it wasn't immediate. So she no, it stayed wasn't with immediate. him. And that's what you heard what she said. She said she was used to hard work and nothing easy has come without hard work and discipline. So I think that she had the same attitude to her marriage. But I also appreciated that she said, even today, I have not given up on the idea of love. Yeah. You know, so these men, I want to say like, oh yeah, she dropped him because dropping him would have been like, so you left me in Michigan? No, you, you, we married in Michigan? 
I'm out. And you left me for four hours? Annulled immediately. Well, ending relationships, especially those that have legal ties to them, are not as easy as just being like, peace. There's a lot that goes into that. So when I say drop them, I mean, she stayed for whatever amount of time that she stayed, but she has it in herself to walk away when she's decided enough is enough. Whatever point for her becomes enough. We can't tell anyone what their personal enough is. But whatever became her personal enough, she was able to walk away. And thank God for that. Because you're right. There are a lot of people that haven't reached that point of self-actualization because there's so many different factors. And I offer no judgment, but all of the empathy and the sympathy that I can muster, which is a hell of a deep well, because you just never know what people go through. Like there's no judgment there. I'm just glad that she is getting too happy. Was there anything else with Mm -hmm. Renee? Nah, you know, Renee, when they got that divorce and they wanted to show that clip, you know, in the law offices or whatever interviews, you know, talking about how he made her career deserve, you know, where he was like, well, those were my hands on her breast for that Rolling Stone cover. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, well, you were in the room. Who else's hands would you want on your wife's breast but yours? If I'm at a photo shoot with my significant other and they're asking them to go topless or pantless, (laughs) whatever the case may be, who else's hands do you want touching their body, especially that intimately and being shot? If I'm in the room, I'm a bit, it's going to be me. And he was clearly hidden from the, you know, the shot because he's behind her. So you weren't, no one knew it was you, but you knew it was you. Like, that's just, to me, what spouses would have done for the other spouse. And also a bit of control in the situation. I wouldn't have been like, oh my God, I put my hands on her breast. So now I deserve, you know, a thousand million dollars. (laughs) Well, see, here's my question that I hadn't really thought about. Who conducted the photo shoot? Meaning, was he the photographer? I don't think he was the actual photographer. So you were a stagehand, essentially. And if that's the case, yes, that cover was iconic. I remember it being on all of the bootleg t-shirts and everything else. But whose concept was it? And Was it yours? Then say that. It was my concept, in which case Janet doesn't owe you money. Rolling Stone does. If you were the photographer on the shoot, you know who should have paid for it? Rolling Stone. Janet ain't got nothing to do with it. So what I am hoping, though, I mean, for her to have wanted to be a business lawyer, girl, I hope you had you some prenups and NDAs. Well, I think that's why we don't hear about husband number three. So plus they're currently separated. So we think they're still separated anyway. (laughs) I remember there being some issue about custody because he is not an American. And that's always an issue about where would the child be raised. If he's with you, uh, it's a zero sum game. So all the time he's with you means that that's time he's not with me. 
Either way, they seem to have worked it out to the point where she is not in the tabloids and she is not stressed. And I am happy for her about that. Mm-hmm. And Renee is out there living his his life. Well, whatever settlement he got, she is free and clear of him. And he can put that on his tombstone. Those were my hands on her breasts. <laughs> Yep, because that's going to be your claim to fame. (laughs) If that's what you want. (laughs) (laughs) So on with that, let's get into these musical evolutions. The Rhythm Nation era. Did you learn the choreography? I told you I can't dance. I learned nothing. How did you know that you couldn't dance if you didn't try to do choreography of a Jackson? Girl, because my family and friends, every time I tried to do a little something, they were always like, you have absolutely no rhythm. Go sit your ass down. Wow. Well, I think that one of the things to make clear about I had not heard was that Rhythm Nation sold more albums than Thriller. I know. That was actually... You know, when I was talking about revelations, you know, I was looking into her personal life, but that was a good revelation in regards to her professional. She beat her brother, who was the biggest star on the planet. By the time she did Rhythm Nation, she was all almost 20 years deep in the entertainment industry. So to have that trajectory that deep into one's career to say, because she, like she said, she had been working since she was seven years old, doing variety shows and good times, like the acting and the music, and then to get to Rhythm Nation, and then that album sells more than Thriller. Whoa. I think Missy Elliott in one of her sound bites says, if it wasn't Missy's, you know, excuse me, but it was like, there's a difference between an artist or entertainment in an artist, Janet is the better of the two. That's what that was. Like We forget how many years and decades she has been in the entertainment industry and still going. So I don't know why, or I have the question, do you think that part of the problem, besides her being in the shadow and maybe a little bit of massage and wire, do you think that one of the reasons why Rhythm Nation doesn't get talked about like that is because Rhythm Nation didn't have a video like Thriller. Even though Rhythm Nation was the shit, it wasn't Thriller. Her videos in general didn't have the production value of Michael's. What? I mean, all right. I mean, several of them I mean, no, she she had good... No, not to say that her videos weren't good. They're They're excellent. But a lot of Michael's videos went way over the top. Even with the thriller didn't have a whole lot of, what do we want to say? Like CGI and all this other stuff. I mean, for when it was, when it came out, but it had lots of combinations, transitions, as most of Michael's videos do. You know, she didn't, like you said, she didn't have one of those big impactful videos. Oh, uh, like super big, like everywhere you turned around, somebody was playing it. 
Well, I mean, Rhythm Nation, I think, was like that. But see, I'm wondering if that was by design because it's that scarcity that I was talking about again. So Michael is the one, period. We can't allow anybody else to have whatever. I'm just trying to figure out why if she sold those albums and Thriller was at the top for in terms of just album sales for so long where that was the one to be and it was actually beaten like that why wasn't it celebrated and spoken about the way that it was like it literally took a documentary and we were like what really i'm just trying to figure out other than your regular garden variety massage noir about to say we just think it was about the massage noir about the fact that i don't know hmm. should we move on to the super bowl the super bowl and part of my rant that i was about to go on are connected well then go ahead all right we all know what happens with the super bowl right mm-hmm. wardrobe malfunction titty is bared 2004 the wardrobe malfunction that was shown for 1.4 seconds that nobody actually really, really saw. Well, yeah, that's what invented YouTube. But the point that I was going to make about the subsequent actions and behaviors of Les Moonves, CBS, and other um your Tipper Gore's, it wasn't Tipper Gore, I don't believe, but your Tipper Gore light was like how dare she but madonna and her videos Mm -hmm. did everything she possibly could and still does and gets celebrated for it that's because she a white woman yep and i looked up a date and i was like madonna in the rock and roll hall of fame and if so when was she eligible? She was eligible in 2008. And she was inducted in 2008 in her first year that she was eligible. But yet it took a campaign through Questlove and Lizzo and people like myself and Janelle Monet to say, hey, 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 get it together. All because of this So I have a question. Mm -hmm. What are the qualifications to get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I do know that there's a voting class. So, but let's find out the years. Rock and Roll. Like, what makes you eligible? Like, what is Mm -hmm. the thing that makes you to become eligible? And the fact that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not rock and roll, just rock and roll artists. Well, what do you mean? I mean, that are classified rock and roll. I mean, we, you know, we've got R&B, we got rappers, we got all kinds of people in the rock and roll. It's just based on its actual name. Instead of calling it the Music Hall of Fame, it's specifically called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, you know, we got everybody and their mother in there. It's not just rockers. that's, That's, it's the irony of the name. That's all. Oh, I mean, to me, I think it's because it is the mapping of um, Black music. So it's the evolution. So a lot of rock and roll 
was, you know, was invented by black people. And it was an evolution of sound and the evolution of even rock and roll in other myriad forms of black music is rap, is country, are those other things. So what they know that they can't do is say, this is a black music hall of fame and we let white folk in here. An artist becomes eligible to join the rock and roll hall of fame 25 years after the release of his or her debut record. But that alone won't get an act in. To be considered, they must have demonstrated some contribution to the development and perpetuation of rock and roll. And that comes from Rolling Stone magazine. Okay. So basically 25 years, that's a long time to wait. So you can, you could be possibly, depending on when you released your album, you could be dead and gone before you're eligible. Yes, but you so, can be inducted posthumously. I know, I, yes, so I know you can be inducted posthumously, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying it kind of sucks that you know you're not going to get your flowers. You may not get your flowers while you're alive, depending on when you started releasing music. I honestly think that these Hall of Fames are really for artists, entertainers, um, scholars, whomever, who are only going to be known by archivists and other scholars who do research. Gotcha. So Janet was eligible in 2007. Yes. But she didn't get voted in until 2019. So 12 years was eligible. Yeah. It was a campaign. And seeing the same thing happen with Missy Elliott and the MTV Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Awards. Like Missy Elliott was known for her videos. How do other people get in before Missy? If it wasn't for Crystal and Kid Fury from the podcast to read who was like, nah, it's gotta be rectified in a campaign. So I think that what I'm trying to say is that social media helps get people their flowers today and get them recognized. Where social media might fall a little short is for those people who existed pre-recordings or for their matches or for their songs or whatever, that their recordings may have been lost or not have been as archived as mm-hmm. others. They're, they're talked about um, back in the day, some things were recorded, but they were recorded over, you know, like, yeah, we, we, we didn't save it. We didn't think about it at the time. What else do you want to say about the Super Bowl? Oh, wait, I do have something else to say. A few things. About the Super Bowl? Yeah. Okay. I think that it's real puritanical that people are so upset about a nipple and it really goes into say what and how people are breast and chest feeding people are treated. And when they had that campaign called free the nipple, it's like, where were all the mothers and um, breast and chest feeding people lactating people saying, Hey, the same puritanical 
attitude is the reason why I got to go to a filthy bathroom to nourish this kid or why I can't, I got to be under a shawl or everybody acts like I'm doing something wrong when it's one of the most natural and nourishing things you can do for a living being. It makes no sense. Hmm? And men can walk around with their nipples out. And don't nobody want to see that shit. So, well, actually, <laughs> it just depends playing. on who the man is. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Preference Yeah, that. and that's the but. thing. It's like all of these feminists, and you want you want to always say feminism is for white people, white women. It's just like none of y'all said anything. All of you lactating specialists, all of you people that for the movement of breast and chest feeding. None of y'all said anything. They talk about, oh, it was sexualized. Y'all say the same thing about breastfeeding kids. Yep. And it's not. Where were those people? I didn't understand it. Other thing. I, I looked up another date. The issue, the, the Super Bowl happened in 2004, right? Yes, it did. I just want to remind you that R. Kelly's P-tape came out in 2002. Well, it also took how many years before we have gotten R. Kelly? Oh, I know. For the things that he has done. But the whole point of the matter is people wanted to turn a blind eye to that. But it's he is a male. I know. Always turning a blind eye to what men do. Women are supposed to be held. We are supposed to be held to this higher standard of what we do or don't do. And honestly, from the whole thing, I remember watching that Super Bowl and it happened. And I'm like, I watched it. It's like, I didn't even see it. I was watching the show. It wasn't like I, because we have a big party for Super Bowl in my family. We were watching it. You didn't even see it. That's how quick it was, you know, panned away from and, or, you know, zoomed out from. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like this is my opinion and it's unpopular, but Justin Timberlake was still, a youngin' at that time. When mm-hmm. I say youngin', he's not 30, he's not 35, he's not 40. He was still in his early 20s. He is still learning to navigate the world. Um, number two, I didn't think that Janet, everybody's like, oh, this was to promote her album and do this and do that. Based on the Janet that we had over the years, even though she was putting out her sexuality she was never putting anything out there where she was full on let me just throw my breast up out here and you can just see all all willy-nilly because even if you go with the rolling stone cover her chest was covered it might have been by her husband's hands but it was covered in her other videos sexuality was implied but we weren't walking around with her naked in a video you know what i mean i never thought that this was a publicity stunt to begin with. And I did, you know, everybody's like, oh, the, it was a publicity stunt. They're just saying it's wardrobe malfunction so she they don't get in trouble. I'm like, it was a wardrobe malfunction. Since when have we ever seen Janet act like she needs to do something that provocative 
to sell anything. That was more of a, as you mentioned earlier, Madonna thing. Mm -hmm. Madonna was provocative like that. I'm like, it was a nipple. It was 1.4 seconds of nipple that people barely saw. The only reason you saw it was because people who were, when we were recording, still recording on VHSs and the beginning of DVRs, some people went back and played it and froze it. Nobody was seeing it initially when the daggone Super Bowl was played on the television. Mm -hmm. If everybody had just kept on and went around about their business, nobody would have known that that woman's breast was exposed. Because as soon as she realized it was exposed, she covered herself up. You know, well, is it time to offer forgiveness to Justin? Well, I already said my piece about it. I said he was still a child trying to, well, he was an adult, but he was still a young adult. He was under 25. He was still navigating the world and how he should go about this. And Janet basically told us in the documentary, she told him not to say anything. Mm-hmm. So he's 20. How old was he in 2004? Just he's around our shit. age. So that makes him around 20. He was either between 23 to 25. Mate, if that. Um, okay. He, so he would have been, it was his birthday is at the end of, it was literally at the end of the month of January. So, yeah, he was still young. So, what? So, yes, but what was the age? Because I said 23 um, to 25. He would have been 1981, 2004. You, he was 23. So, I would say you're still, he's still navigating the world. You're still navigating the world and learning stuff at 23. When you're, tw- when you're 30, like I said earlier, what he, if he did this now, the Super Bowl incident happened today to him at 41. His response would have been different. Even if Janet still told him, don't say anything, I think he probably. You're at a different place at 41 versus 23. You know what the world is like at 41 versus 23. I think he probably would have said something today. But back then, he listened to her being that she was older than him you know, 20 years older than him, you know, let it fall on me. Let me handle it. Would I necessarily at 23 been like, okay, let me go speak out and override what the 20 year old, you know, the person 20 years older than me told me to do. Not necessarily. It's taken me several years to get to that point to be like, you know what? It doesn't matter that you're 20 years older than me. I'm going to say or do, you know, whatever. Um, If she's moved on, I think we should move on. I think that at this point, she's still standing and she seems to be thriving. And what's important to her is her son. That's what's important to her now. So I I feel like we should just, we should leave it alone if that's what she wants. And that's what she asked. I know us as Black people can be extra. You, you asked for it, but we don't want to. <laughs> That's how you feel. That's how I feel. Like mm-hmm. many of the wrongs have been righted, not everything, but
but many of it. I mean, we do have to say, you know, the Super Bowl caused her to be banned, as we said, you know, for many things, for many years. We have to shout out the people that helped her get back into the spotlight and remember that she is a great performer and a great um, singer, musician, and actress. Because Tyler Perry was like, you know what? I'm going to have Janet in my next movie. Mm-hmm. We had. Oh, you know, can we talk about how Tyler Perry has come to the rescue of black women? Mm-hmm. Which is always, which is hilarious considering the critique on him and how a lot of people uh, in looking at his films have compared it to trauma porn. And a lot of it is directed at and to black women. So for him in real life to be the person that said, come on over here, Meghan Markle, I got a place for you. Bring that baby, bring that white prince husband of yours, have another baby. We going to keep you safe and it's going to be all good. And even before that to say, I mean, Tyler Perry swearing, I was like, what? Who said that? You know, uh, on TV. But even before that, I don't agree with you at all about Justin. You don't. You don't I have know. to. Oh, I know that. <laughs> oh, I wasn't, oh, we both know. I don't ask for permission about that. No. Um, so I don't agree, and because there's there's a few things at play here. You want to use youth? I hear you. Let us not act as if Justin did not have a whole team who uh, helped craft and decide what he was going to do. Wasn't just like, oh, Janet told me. No, he had a team because what his team told him to do, including Let's Move S, was offer an apology and you're all good. And so he was able to go to the Grammys. He was able to have the career. He was able to coast on his whiteness, his maleness, and his youth, because Janet is only one of his female victims. Let us not forget Brittany. And we don't know who else is there, but intellect, but my thing is this, I have not been on the internet on Justin's neck. I may have laughed, but I was not on the neck, but, but <laughs> here is, oh, hell yeah, I laughed. Cause it was funny. It was funny then. And it's funny now. It's going to be funny forever. The creativity and the gifts. <laughs> I take my hat off to y'all. When it comes to the discussion, I think that if I take Janet out of it, because I do agree with what you said in that her career, cause she had, she rhythm neighbor sold more albums the thriller for goodness sakes which was at the pinnacle okay her tours her career at the time that she had done the uh super bowl stands and stood on its own outside of justin's little guest appearance so aside from that it, this is definitely a footnote in history but it's to me Less about Janet, the artist, and more about how the industry, an example of how the industry treats women, how the industry treats Black women, and how that's not okay, and how 
if there is an incident, how punishment is not meted out equitably. Never so a lot of I know that, but see, that's the thing that I'm saying. Uh, no, we can't not discuss it. So if we bring, you know, like Justin got away with some things because the industry allowed him to. The things he said about Britney were disgusting, and there was some childish shit to do. But he was patted on the head for it. He was promoted for it. He was celebrated for it. And the thing, if we don't call it out, other people are going to do the same. You know, other people and that behavior. And like you said, like it has been happening. We have to say it stops here. We are saying it like you can try it if you want to, but there will be consequences. Janet forgives. We don't. And I, so how I have gone about it is I do not own a Justin Timberlake album. I have not seen a Justin Timberlake movie. I know that he does a history or he has done a history of rap. And I'm like, the fuck of all the people on Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake doing a history of rap. Disrespectful. But I don't engage. I don't watch. I don't click. So I vote with my money. I vote with my remote. And that I feel is the worst thing you can do to someone to show your displeasure is no reaction. I don't give you any money. I don't give you any clicks. I don't help you trend. I don't do any of those things. I laugh at the other stuff, but they're funny. I, I mean, the creativity just takes me out. But, and the jokes, <laughs> but I don't wish him any ill, but I do think that there is history around that that should be discussed and unfortunately stalls his career where, where Janet moves on with all of the um, apologies. And you know what this reminds me of? She didn't get a formal apology. You said, well, you know, some things have been righted. Mm. Let me tell you what this reminds me of. This reminds me of Vanessa Williams. When she was, go ahead. You want to, I know I, I said pageantry, which is now your shit. We talk about Miss Vanessa Williams when she got blackballed for her Playboy. It wasn't oh. even a Playboy cover or uh, uh, spread, but. Yes her pictures that weren't done for that, but became part of it. And there were so many other things embedded in that. Like the fact that she was barely, le I mean, there was a whole bunch of things. However, my point is that she came to judge the pageant and she had them give her a public apology to not only her, but her mother. And I feel as though Janet is owed the same thing by CBS Viacom. Les Moonves has been ousted because of his dirty dealing and all of the things that he did and allowed to do under his watch. He's in jail for that. He was not able to get his golden parachute. Well, I don't know if he's in jail. Let me take that back. But he was fired for that. There was an investigation. Other people like Charlie Rose and a whole bunch of other men that he covered for because it was a culture of abuse. And, and that that is what 
they themselves have said like, hey, and they have since tried to change that. But I mean, there was an article uh, about Joss Whedon who was under Warner Brothers. That's in that CBS Viacom family. Like there are some bad apples throughout Hollywood, but there was a whole consensus of them around that area. And somebody, as they start to change that image and start to clean house, should absolutely give Janet Jackson, her mother, her fans, her son, her niece, her dogs, and her shoes, the apology because that it was ridiculous and it should not have happened. But yes, the fact that she says, I don't need your apology and I go forth and I learn, you know, and I grow and I am abundant and, and I'm limitless and she's thriving. Like you said, all of that is wonderful. That does not mean that they shouldn't be called, that everybody else shouldn't be called out for their involvement in it. No, I do agree that CBS owes her an apology. Well, CBS and the media in general owe her an apology. And the Grammys and everything else. But I would also like to say that we were talking about the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and some of these other things. I think that one of the reasons why people are like, fuck the Grammys, fuck all these other things, is because their voting boards, their blind spots, their biases, it doesn't actually reflect the public taste. And so a lot of these award shows don't matter or don't hold the same... They don't, don't they don't show, uh-huh. share the weight to the public. Like we're not excited about them being necessarily being a Grammy winner or an Oscar winner or Golden mm-hmm. Globe winner. That's mm-hmm. an industry thing. We're going to buy their album because we like them. We're going to go watch their movie because we like them. We're going to, mm-hmm. you know, go see their Broadway show because we like them. That's mm-hmm. what the, the public doesn't care how many Grammys, how many awards you win. We care, do you keep producing a good quality product, whatever that product is, that is your specialty? Pretty much. And that's why Oscars so white, and then they try to lie. I know I'm completely done with the Oscars, but they don't also nominate the movies that I'm interested in or the actors that, sh- that I feel, for the most part, should be recognized anyway. And same with the television shows. I mean, the Golden Globes weren't even televised. People like so. And so I'm just saying that social media has changed how we celebrate, how we watch, how the tastemakers, which are Black Twitter in a lot of ways. We are the tastemakers. And the bottom line is, why does it matter about Justin's involvement? Is because he isolated his fan base. So now he can't sell an album because remember, he had some mountain album, did terribly. He had a movie, nobody cared. And so, and then, so he's not selling units. So that was his protection. Capitalism was his protection. He no longer has that. Now he's screaming mea culpa. Because those people screaming, he did Britney wrong, fuck Justin. And then, you know, everybody else is like, oh, fuck Justin forever. And now there's like those same people are voting with their money. That's what matters, not the apology. No, money. So I think that the Grammy people would offer her an apology. Please, please come to our show. Because, I mean, can you, you know, like that was the whole thing. They had Cardi B and uh, Megan Thee Stallion 
cheeked out doing their thing. And we were like, this is the same network and the same show. They banned Janet over how many uh, milliseconds? 1.4 seconds a nipple. And let's just say the other part that we haven't touched on because mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl era was the fact that she was with Jermaine Dupree mm. and he quit the Grammy board over the disinvite of and the treatment of Janet after the Super Bowl, um, which despite the other issues of between Janet and Jermaine, that was a stand-up thing to do. And that's what you do for your woman now. Or your partner. A, yeah. Well, in this case, we were, it was, mm-hmm, you know. mm-hmm. and again, you know, people campaigning, like I said, big ups to quest love for the rock and roll hall of fame campaign, you know, Jermaine Dupree for quitting, taking a stand in her defense. Now that era of being with Jermaine for 10 years, he was on some fuckboy shit. You had Janet Jackson and he said it. He was being a man. He cheat. You cheated on Janet and you didn't want to give her no time. Let's not say that he was being a man. He That's was what being he the- said. That's what he said out of his mouth. He said he was yeah. being a man. Okay. I didn't say I'm not agreeing with him. I'm saying that's what he said out of his mouth. So he just going to disrespect all men everywhere, huh? Basically, <laughs> that's what he's saying. No, I, I know plenty of men that don't cheat. And you didn't make time for Janet Jackson. You had basically the baddest woman on the planet. And you couldn't make time for her. And your excuse was you were with Janet. So all these other women came out of the woodwork wanting you. So like somebody said on Twitter, you mean groupies? Okay, so can we talk about that for a second? Because I know that you tweeted something about that. And to be clear, Janet and Jermaine Dupree dated over 10 years. They were engaged, but they weren't living together. And Jermaine shows up looking like Tony Stark. Okay, so I know that you're not going to get this reference. You've not seen the second Spider-Man, Far From Home? Mm-mm. Those glasses, you saw the Avengers Endgame, yeah? Okay, well, Tony Stark (laughs) had glasses. I know who's Tony Stark. Yes, I said, but he had glasses just like that and Uh a goatee. So I'm looking at him like, he is Tony Starking it up right now. (laughs) Um, He says like, yeah, the thing was because Janet chose me, more women were in, more women were interested in me than ever in my life. And then I had to ask you about that because we've heard that with married men say when they were single, nobody was checking for them. As soon as they get married, it's like oh, babe, they become catnip. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think is the cause of that? I have no freaking clue because women always out here talking about they want their men to be faithful. They want a man that treats them right, that wants to, you know, be just with them. But then you turn around and you go after someone else's man. It does not make sense to me. And especially purposeful. It's different if he comes at you versus you go to him. You know what I mean? He's the one in the relationship. He knows he shouldn't be. He's the one that has that 
those vows, the relationship that he is supposed to respect. He shouldn't be doing that. But if when, if as women, we're saying we want all of this, you shouldn't be going out of your way to approach somebody that you know is in a relationship. I just don't understand why you would go out of your way to purposefully approach a person that you know is in a relationship to get with them. And you know, they're not going to be able to give you the kind of time and attention that you deserve as a woman, because he's got a whole woman and maybe even an additional, you know, a family at home as well. Okay. I have, I have two responses to that. Do you want the time and attention? Because some women want the dick, want the perks, but don't want the everyday. I got to listen to your problems. I got to fix your food. I got to wash your clothes. There's some women have to do that. But the day-to-day living. You could just get an escort to that and you don't have to worry about having wrecking people's homes coming after you. you. I don't know. But you know, but you have to pay money for that. And so if I don't have to pay money and I can still do that, like pick it up and put it down, then that's fine. Also, with an escort, you don't know where that person has been. If I'm with you, I may have a general idea of tracking where it's like, okay, so you're with your wife and you may be with me and one other person. And I understand the rotation or the hotation because you ain't got to lie to me. We're all adults here. Like, it's all good. Some other people may like the excitement of it all. Ooh, we could get caught. Ooh, it's kind of dangerous. I think that (laughs) it is, uh, Jamie Foxx had this joke when Dream Girls came out where he had to kiss Beyonce. And his joke was, ooh, I taste Rihanna. Right? (laughs) Did you ever consider the possibility? He specifically said these women wanted me because I was dating Janet Jackson. That that was the closest they'd ever get to sex in Janet Jackson. You can have your reasons, but it still don't make it right. No, he didn't say it was right. And did you see him? I got the feeling that he was full of regret because he said, yes. proudly, we dated longer than her marriages. And then he also said, I should have fought. And if we did, it's something that would have still been together today. Mm-hmm. You could have, look, you could have been Issa's father. Perhaps. He, you know, he said there were a lot of things that needed to happen before, you know, you could have kids and things like that. Like move closer to her. You, you were with her for 10 years, but you couldn't not necessarily move in the same house, but you couldn't move closer to her. Yeah, because you was too busy being a whole rake. He was was busy being something. In another part of the country. That's why you weren't trying to move close to her. But at the end of the day, like you said, he did stand up for her. And that is one of the things that you would want your mate to do, your partner. Mm -hmm. Although he was, like you said, on some other stuff with the cheating. You know, because it never really did come out during the time why they actually broke up. We all had speculation, but now we got the answer. So Janet said she eats Mm -hmm. her emotions through food. Mm -hmm. Man, did I feel that. Mm. 110%. You know, I joke around and tell people I have a sweet tooth, which I do. I have a really bad sweet tooth. But when 
ish hits the fan, those sweets and everything else come to comfort me. Mm -hmm. I felt that 100%. So when you look back at like the tabloid pictures and things like that, it always seems that it coincided when things weren't going well in her life. And, you know, everybody would go, oh, Janet Jackson got fat. But nobody was correlating Janet Jackson got fat because Janet Jackson was dealing with X, Y, and Z. And she was eating her emotions. Janet Jackson was never fat. Well, you know, and I think that that's also part of the problem where people's perceptions of what fat. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. She's never been like 300 pounds. She's never been anything like that. She was, her fatness was probably what she kicked. She got to a size 10, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's not fat. I mean, I'm, I'm a 10, 12. I mean, I'm feeling fat because I know where my weight was sitting on my body a year and a half ago. I'm feeling fat for my own self, but what did we really say that I'm fat? No. Should we have ever said that Janet was fat? No. We are a cruel society. Mm -hmm. You know, as a whole, not, you know, individually, not different entities, but as a whole, we are a cruel society. Mm -hmm. We will talk about people, shame people, but we never reach out to help people. Mm -hmm. And when we do, it only seems to reach out to benefit ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know? She eats her weight, she eats her emotions, and then she turns around and exercises the hell out of it and gets rid of it. And whatever else she does to change her lifestyle, you know, to take care of that. But, it, you know, nobody should be making her feel bad for dealing with thing, with life like that. You know, as long as she's still healthy and could take care of herself, it's all good. Well, I think that's just how people should be in general, I make it a rule not to comment on people's appearance. Um, if I'm not going to tell you that you you look nice, I just don't say anything at all. You can say what you want to say. I'm like, okay. I don't find it to be helpful at all. Not, you know, like, oh, look at somebody else in public. Okay. I don't want to look. I don't care. I just find it draining and unhelpful to just do that. So just as a practice, I, even if I think it, you don't say it out loud and you know that Mm -hmm. I, I just, I try is that's just, that's a personal practice. Like, mm -mm, mm -mm. well, like not at all. And I think, I think that she's, she made people see the humanity of that and her stylist and said like, look, she never played the victim card. I had a problem with him saying that. It was just a white man who kept on talking about whatever she went through, that she never played the victim card. What is the victim card? Well, you know, there are people who always make themselves be the victim. Like everything is always someone else's fault. And they're always, nothing involves their participation in the situation It's always someone else's fault. And that's what I think he meant by that, that she didn't always make it out to be somebody else's fault, that she looked at her part in the situation as well. 
And not to say that she probably should probably should have played the victim card a few times. There are a few times through this documentary where she was true. You know, she really was the victim. But she looked at it as though I had a part in this situation as well. Whether it was I didn't speak up or played this this way, etc. But she definitely had the right to play the victim card at least two or three times in this throughout her life because she really was the victim. Well, my only issue with that is to me, the victim card almost, or she didn't play the victim card was in parentheses. She's a strong black woman. And the problem that comes with people trying to be strong or feeling like I have to, or I need to be strong and not being right. And that's where like, Ooh, it's just, it didn't land right on me, but that was pretty much it for me, you know, with this. We have one more, we have one more important area to talk about from the documentary, her becoming a mother at 50. Mm -hmm. that woman glows when she talks about her son that whole documentary as soon as she started talking about her son she like lit up like the brightest freaking light bulb in the pack Mm -hmm. the smile became so deep in her face probably would have broke her probably breaks her cheekbones (laughs) Mm -hmm. she is so happy to be a mother I think that not only is she happy that she is, her family said, you know, we didn't think she would ever have children, but look at her as a mother and she said, oh, she like kids. But I could just tell that she's a good mother because she leads with empathy first. When she was talking to her mother about the death of Michael, and only she could have asked those questions because she was like, mother, if you if it's too painful or you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. And, and, it's, and, and she said, I can't talk about it. And she moved on. Absolutely. And that is something from as a researcher, that is not something that you're trained to do. You're mm-hmm. not. It's unfortunate. We do it. I practice a Black feminist researcher ethos where that's exactly Mm -hmm. what you would do there are times when you would say like you know what we're going to pause this recording there are times when you work with people where you lead with empathy you recognize humanity they ain't know well i'm um i need to be impartial and i need to push none of that that's what you're taught to do because in a lot of ways white researchers did not see their subjects as human. Uh So I can tell that Janet, who had empathy and love for her mother, and it seemed like empathy and love for a lot of people because she made really clear to say something positive about all of her relations. And like, even if it didn't work out that, oh, Jermaine Dupri has a good heart. She's not one. She's not one to bring people down, to run them over. No. And you mean with, with, with uh, Justin, she's like, yeah, y'all are, I mean, if you are holding on to whatever it is you're holding on for me, I release you. You don't have to do that for me. 
you know, and because the internet made it quite clear, girl, you out of it. We release you to understand that we are not doing it for you. We are doing it for us. <laughs> we, we getting these jokes off or whatever reason, or we're doing it for Brittany, whatever. I noticed that. So I agree. And for her to say, this was a deliberate choice to be a mother because she said that she took fertility treatments and that they were planning for this baby. So I am so glad that he is here and he is healthy and he is clearly, as her cousin Stevie would say, the sunshine of her life. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't think I've seen a woman light up that damn bright (laughs) when you talk about her child in a very, very long time good look think think of how they paint jesus (laughs) what i said think of how they paint jesus with this glowing light around him i said oh white jesus oh (laughs) i just look i didn't signify you knew what i meant oh yeah i was like i don't see black jesus like that no he does some some sometimes oh okay but i'm just saying she just radiated off the screen good for her i mean that's what you want right that's a that's a whole part of getting to happy whatever that looks like for you and her path to that happiness goes through isa i think that's wonderful absolutely wonderful was there anything else in the documentary that struck you or you want to comment on I don't honestly think there was anything else in the documentary that had me intrigued. I think everybody all were kept in, at least on Twitter, was talking about the fact that Randy kept saying, your father. <laughs> oh, I, I noticed that they called, I mean, he was very clear, your father, your mother. And she called, Janet called Catherine, who is still looking quite real, mother. Not mom, not mama, not mommy the very formal mother. Well, I think that varies from family to family. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't see, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I alternate between calling my mom, mom, mother, mommy, depending on what's going on and what, (laughs) how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some families where they only refer to mother as mother. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, there are some families that refer to parents by first names. Like, you know, I think that's not cool, but, you know. Um, well, they did. The Jacksons called Joe Joe. Yeah. Know, yeah. But, you know, but it varies from family to family. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily disrespectful or mean. You know, people like, oh, well, your mother must not be loving because you call her mother. That's not necessarily true. I I don't think that there was anything wrong with calling her the formal mother. The only part was like, Randy, like these ain't your parents too. I mean, it was a documentary produced. And the only way maybe I'm thinking could think about it is since it was supposed to be Janet's documentary, he didn't want to focus on him by saying our mother, our, our father, it was her documentary. Maybe he was trying to be neutral in his Mm -hmm. presentation. That's a way of thinking of it. Okay. Maybe, you know, we, again, don't know his behind the scenes relationship with his parents. You know, we know how Janet's, you know, Janet's showing us her relationship. Well, we don't know. 
how Randy perceived his relationship. So again, could be a relationship thing. It could just have been trying to be a neutral voice in the documentary since it was Janet's documentary, not him. Or it could just be, again, that's how they refer to people. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So do you have any other thoughts? I think I would watch it again to see. We watched it live and we haven't rewatched it. I think I would rewatch it again to see if there were any other nuggets that I missed. But it, overall, I think it was good. I think if you haven't watched it, you should go ahead and, and watch it. What about you? What are your thoughts? Um, okay, I'm just going over the notes because like you said, well, I took notes on night two because I didn't watch it live. I DVR'd it and watched it later so I could take some notes. But I did live tweet night one. So all those typos are mine. All the better tweets are hers. Okay, so I wrote down... Janet Jackson got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1990, and that's when the comparison should have stopped with Michael. Mm. Um, uh, I talk about Rhythm Nation breaking Thriller's record and the bidding war, and she became the highest paid recording artist at Virgin. And when she got her freedom at Virgin, she went, um, Richard Branson compared her to a Rembrandt. Jimmy Jam or Terry Lewis said, whatever they paid, it was a bargain. And I agree. I also got nasty because I said, talked about, um, I forgot the Q-tip was in uh, Poetic Justice and that Tupac could have chemistry with a rock. <laughs> I mean, because he could. I mean, I, I still got to love Jones for Q-tip. Okay. Tina Landon was, was her choreographer in the 90s, but I'm saying that she was the choreographer of the 90s. So many of the iconic music videos that we love and know the choreography for. Okay, some of us, some of us are sitting here saying, well, I can't dance, so I ain't learn it. But the rest of us, a lot of that was Tina Landon's work. Um, I also wrote down most of the talking heads, Mariah Carey, Tiana Taylor, Whoopi Goldberg, Sam Regina King, whom I'm sending all the love and light and prayers and comfort to right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Sierra, JD, Tyler Perry with his cousin ass, Janelle <laughs> Monet, <laughs> whom I love, Quest Love, Missy Elliott, whom I adore, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Barry Bonds. I thought, how random. <laughs> Barry Bonds, MC Light, who is my empress, Q-Tip, Lee Daniels, and Paula Abdul, who I've, once again, you youths, don't know about Paula Abdul and the 80s Laker girls. You know, there's supposed to be a uh, a television show about the Lakers in the 80s with Magic Johnson and how the Bus family uh, tried to make it like Showtime Lakers. And that's why the Laker girls with Paula Abdul and everything, like how they changed the game. And I'm saying, if they don't do a Paula Abdul, I'm going to be like, what? Because she was a choreographer. She was a part of that progression into making them must watch. So, but anyway, that was a sidebar. Um, I had notes on the Janet era and how those guys lost their religion and composure during any time and any place. I think that faith was definitely something that was a current throughout the throughout this documentary. You tweeted, like she said, God is good. 
But even when um, the first allegations came out, 92, 93, they showed her asking for prayer um, mm-hmm. with the concert. So I thought that was interesting. I thought that the way that Scream was done was also really interesting um, in terms of why there was a competition mm-hmm. between the record companies and to what end, what was that supposed to do and how Michael, that people seem to be in betwixt and between him. And I think it ultimately, the separation from his family, the separation from his um, sobriety, the separation from his identity, that's what led to his death. I really believe that. So the last thing that I noticed was one of the last screens of the documentary where it said that the proceeds of the documentary would go to the Boy and Girls Clubs of Gary, Indiana. And mm-hmm. so which is philanthropic. And you know, I'm always about philanthropy and philanthropic thinking. But it, that's one of the things that I noticed that was interesting is that most artists, they're philanthropic and it's public in some way. When I think of Janet Jackson, I don't necessarily think of philanthropy. Not to say that she isn't philanthropic, not to say that she should share all of her philanthropic deeds. In fact, I think you probably shouldn't, but it's just one of those things where most people use philanthropy as a cover for a lot of other things. So the fact that she hasn't had to do that, but then just quietly said it like, oh, the money that we get from this, that's where it's going. I appreciate it. Not that it's going in my pocket. (laughs) Right. You know, I could put it in my pocket, but I'm not, I'm giving it away. The proceeds of it. Right. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. in, in case you're thinking that I'm creating uh, albums are going on tour, doing the residency or doing any of those things because I'm hurting for money. No, Mm-mm. I, she said it clearly. Everybody else is writing books. Everybody else is doing documentaries. Everybody else is doing whatever they think they can on stories or footage or articles. But here is the truth, the definitive truth. And I, for one, am glad that she has said this is what I say on my life. And this is the only thing that I'm going with. But she has said. So that's all that I have to say about Janet, period. Well, I think that is a wrap for us tonight. Indeed. Well, thank you all for joining us again. And in our bonus episode about Miss Janet Jackson, And we will see you, talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. We invite you to send us your feedback, musings, puns, and comments at watchwithyoupod at gmail.com. On Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, watchwithyoupod.